With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Greg. Good evening. <laughs> yes, good to hear your voice. Yeah, sorry, I was a little uh, delayed there. Well, uh, you know, that's pretty good for a human. You know, within three minutes, I'll accept that. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, you got a little time to relax and chat. Yeah. Good. You know, I listened to uh, some of the music. I, oh, the uh, onomatopoeia. I love it. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, and, and what immediately comes to my mind, and I'm sure you must know of them, is Yellow Jackets. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Yellow Jackets uh, are, are pretty cool. They are the only thing I've ever heard that uh, that you guys, you know, sort of, uh, I, I could put in some sort of place together. I'm not quite sure where that place is, but... Yeah, it's, uh, Onomatopoeia space is a pretty wild, wild, uh, wild thing. Oh, oh it's awesome. Do you see uh, uh, any similarity between what you guys are doing and the Yellow Jackets? I mean, do you see that, that oh. they're playing in sort of the same field or... Well, not so, really, but I mean, it's just Yellow Jackets is a is a fusion between sort of funk and jazz, and we we also have those kinds of things. And uh, well, I would say Yellow Jacket is more than that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in any case, I, that they, they're not the issue. The point is, I really like what you guys are doing, <laughs> and you're you're quite a sax player too. I must admit. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, we have we have fun. <laughs> yeah. And how long uh, have you been playing together? Oh, Onomatopoeia has existed as a group for, I don't know, 15 years. And you've and, been uh, how long? Oh, me, uh, just, a, just a few years. Yeah. So I was, I was playing. I had taken a decade off after school, and I was just starting to play with that, uh, the duo, Sidemen. Yeah. And I, I sat in with Kevin and his vocalist one evening, and... Uh, uh, something sparked in his mind. Kevin is the leader of the band, yeah. and Onomatopoeia hadn't been playing for a long time because they, uh, their flautist had had surgery. The, the flautist, uh, it was the principal flautist for the Boise Philharmonic, who yeah. was their flute player. She had surgery and wasn't playing anymore. The uh, the viola players also that he's the principal violist for the uh, Philharmonic. So there's some hard. <laughs> you got some good players here. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> These guys are you know, I know. world class. Yeah. So I. I, it is actually an honor for me to be able to hang out with them because I am not really at their level. Uh, yeah. I I hang on for dear life. I contribute. I hold down yeah. my part. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that day Kevin Kevin heard potentially he's like, hey, you can hang, and there's enough going on that you might be able to hang out with Onomatopoeia. So he yeah. he tossed me a couple of their CDs and said, hey, uh, listen to this, and then he invited me to a New Year's Eve gig and and uh, tossed out the notion of, hey, uh, you might listen to. The following tunes on those CDs and come to a rehearsal, see see how it goes. And yeah. the next I knew we were doing a concert. All right. Oh man, what fun! <laughs> yeah. And do you make your living as a musician? Oh gosh, no! I would starve. 
I, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I am a I am a geek in the uh, in the R and D labs at HP Boise. So I uh, I'm a software engineer, a, a software architect. Yeah. So I make my living uh, being a geek. I do the jazz thing for therapy, and uh, keep myself kind of grounded with all this uh, the, the the thinking stuff. Yeah. Well, they complement each other very nicely, actually. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, it feels yeah, like a yeah. good mixture. Yeah, it's a, it's it's ideal. Yeah, extreme uh, linearity and logic and uh, <laughs> and music, whatever and, that is. And, <laughs> and, and onomatopoeia, which is uh, uh, that they call jazz the extreme sport of music, and uh, yeah. Yeah. and onomatopoeia <laughs> yeah. is ex- is extreme on on that too because. Yeah. Uh, do you guys do a lot of improvisation? I mean, uh, just get together and jam and discover stuff that way that later turns into uh, numbers? Or uh, um, the, we don't actually get to play much. We we have I don't know two to four concerts a year. There's the one big concert which we're about to do here in Boise. Yeah. Uh, at the Egyptian, and uh, that that this one actually is going to be videotaped by PBS and put on the air. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so we got a little pressure there, but <laughs> yeah. So you actually can have a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, some of those concerts we've had like one rehearsal wow. to get ready, and this is the kind of music that normally you expect people to play. The sort of music they they're together every you know yeah. couple several times per week. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. You guys all live together more, or, no, you know, we play and play together we, a lot. We could go six months without playing. Uh, so oh, for this that's big concert. A shame. We have a dozen rehearsals, basically, and uh, then we're in front of the cameras. Most years, it's maybe eight or ten rehearsals. Yeah. And uh, for most other gigs, not the big well, so one. What, so, do, I mean, are you still, then you practice on a daily basis? I mean, you do your, keep your chops up, or... or um, if I were a good sax player, I really would. But I, <laughs> You're not no, that I, dedicated, huh? I, I can't be. I My life is very, very full. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Um, You're married. Uh, I, you mentioned yeah. the wife. Do you have kids? No. Uh, if I had kids, there would be absolutely <laughs> no hope. There would be no time for anything. Yeah. I I have uh, the full-time job with HP. I'm building a house. I've got several sports, the wife, um, on and on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I rehearse once, zero, and, you know, zero to one time per week with my duo partner. Um, okay, if so, I'm, all right, that's good. If so, I'm lucky, yeah. I, I play a three-hour gig with him once a week, and that keeps oh, my chops well, in shape. Yeah, that'll do it, yeah. But, so you probably have some freedom to sort of improvise and goof off on that kind of weekly kind of gig, right? On that gig, it's uh, it's all standards and all improv all the time. So Yeah, right. Yeah, you can do anything that, you want to, and nobody's yeah. going to complain about it. And if I didn't play that, that duo gig, I would never have the chops to hang with yeah. Onomatopoeia. No, no, you're right. So okay, that's we, uh, curious. Uh, you're up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And frankly, uh, this month I I need to. Uh, we're doing the first two nights in a row, which is bad. I don't know. Yeah, horn players, we we need to heal. Uh, it's it's a full contact sport for us. Yeah. And so we're because of the the video requirements, we're we're playing two concerts essentially night back to back two evenings. Full energy the first night with just us and the cameras, so they can do close-ups without interfering with the audience oh, yeah. too much. Yeah. And the second night they'll uh, do their long shots, and we'll have the audience there. And um, I'm a little concerned that I actually have the uh, 
the uh, the, the the muscle tone to hang for two yeah. nights. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Onomatopoeia so you, you need to be is exhausting. How, how long away? How far away is this gig? Uh, what's today? <laughs> it's the thirtieth, the 29th and thirtieth. We're going to be doing those gigs. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So. If you if you over practice, you could hurt yourself. So you got to be really careful. Yeah. yeah, sometimes some of the best stuff happens when we're not prepared. If we feel unprepared, yeah. it makes yeah. us more edgy. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. But this, we can't afford not to be very well prepared with the cameras not and everything. this occasion, yeah. This is why we need a new world, because uh, you sh- we need you to be free to make music with onomatopoeia. You guys should be spending more time just jamming and having fun oh, together. We do love <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, it. It is a riot. These guys, uh, they're all so very good at what they do. I mean, there's the you know the, the principal viola guy. There's the bass player. So that, played, most of can, them make their living as music. Are, all of them make their living? Are you the uh, only amateur in there or what? Two of them, let's see. Two of them make their living, uh, the, the strings and keyboards guys. Yeah. The... Uh, the percussion, the, the drummer who used to be the percussionist, he is mostly making his living doing it. He he went from uh, to uh, some fancy school. Oh, the the drummer went to Juilliard. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's pretty uh, good. The bass player used to uh, be on the road with like Tina Turner and all those kinds of guys. Oh, okay. uh, he he's he settled down, so it's not his living. He just does it for the fun of it. And yeah. I have no idea. He doesn't have the weekly gig. He just picks up the bass once every six months and sounds like you know the kind yeah. of guy who travels the world. Hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, most uh, yeah maybe half the band. Oh, and Phil, the uh, the other uh, the, the the guy who's covering. Remember that flautist I told you about? The, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the original band had this uh, this flautist who was like the principal flautist of the Philharmonic. Well, no one's been able to cover that part until uh, <laughs> yeah. Phil showed. Yeah. Phil. To the uh, North Texas State, he's a jazz guy, and he's so good. He he's a sax player. He doesn't play sax in this band. He covers the damn flute part. He's that good. Wow. So he he could he, you know he could totally do my part, but he's someone needs to do that. <laughs> Somebody's got to do part. it. Good for that, you that, he, so, that no, he's that, doing that. Yeah. One. <laughs> if he weren't so badass to be able to do that flute part, I yeah. I'd never get to play this sax part. <laughs> So well, yeah. uh, maybe half the band is uh, full time, and half yeah. the band is using it for therapy. And but all all of us, uh, let's see, all but me, were full time at some point in their life. And uh, every one of them's pro, of course. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it's a like I say, I'm the baby of the group, yeah. and they. You know, you can probably tell. Oh <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. I was I was really blown away, honestly. I. Uh, I don't hear much. I mean, I'm pretty picky. I'm, mostly, I like classical and and some. Well, I like lots of world music. I mean, from all over. I'm always interested in various ethnic musics and jazz. So, and, Tom's and, uh, string work and uh, and the, the the classical precision he demands of us in many of the contexts we play in. Oh, it's and, clear. Uh, it's obvious to listen yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, it's you guys are tight. <laughs> you yeah, know, it, it's just uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed when we do concerts that we can sound like we do even though we don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm really I got to tell you I am shocked that you guys don't play together a couple times a week for several hours at a time. 
Yeah. I mean, because you guys really are tight, and that kind of tightness, well, that's a real tribute to the skill of the people that you guys can pull that shit off with, without, yeah, it's without being able to practice together all the time. You know? These roadmaps are unbelievable. They're, you know, oh, it's horrible. Um, the, Does uh, stuff get scored at all, or, or, or you just have to remember everything? When I joined, he handed me two CDs, mm-hmm. and... There were no charts, yeah. and uh, I was like, how do you remember these things? And he's like, well, we've had 15 years to kind of build it up. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I've got three weeks to <laughs> internalize yeah. how many tunes? 22 tunes in three oh, weeks. Man. And uh, But Phil, the 1 o'clock Phil guy from North Texas State, he's been writing down a lot of his parts, not all of them, but yeah. a bunch. And the classical guy, Tom, of course, uh, when he... We have a string section, a 16-piece orchestra that's backing us up on this concert. So he's been charting a bunch of stuff for them. Oh, okay. So there are pieces, fragments out there on pieces of paper, but yeah. um, well, I, mean, I don't use the rhythms it, are just Stephen. really tricky and uh, sort of hob- hobble-footed, weird stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, you start out in, in stuff, five man. sixteenths, and then yeah. you take a three-beat rest, and yeah, then you go into yeah, yeah. Four. I know, I know. See, I'm a musician too, and I mean, I know, you know, and you know, to, to get that stuff straight for a group of people. <laughs> oh my God, there's a there's a tune called uh, Tom, the classical guy. Yeah. And this, you, uh, it hasn't been recorded on on CD yet. It would debut at last year's uh, big concert. It's called Habanera. Uh, he, <clears throat> it really, it, it's the kind of tune that this band says, "We'll see you on the other side." Um, and he he scored the whole thing out, handed us our parts, and very little, uh, what we call onomatopoeiaizing, where where we. <laughs> You know, someone brings a tune into the band, and you know we do. We jam around on it. We yeah. suggest things. We fix the roadmap. We yeah, we turn it. Score. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it turns dense and complicated, like all this. You know, the stuff yeah. you hear. And uh, Tom's stuff, we didn't have to adjust that much. I, you know, I'm like, well, this is wonderful. Everybody made suggestions. He went and rescored a few things. I, I said, hey, there's that seven eight part. This dun 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 dun. So that's seven. Um, he, uh, I'm like, hey, well, that might be kind of fun for a soprano solo, and uh, so he he inserted a, a place for me to go nuts, and so then I had an obligation to turn yeah, in something. Yeah, now you cool. got to do something. Yeah. yeah, but Tammy, my wife, who's not a musician, not sophisticated musically, she's very familiar with the onomatopoeia repertoire, of course. She heard this tune go by, and she's like, "Oh my, this this is one my favorite onomatopoeia tune." Period. And two, this is a very special tune. It's there's, it's got a magic to it. It's a uh, very intricate. It's like uh, you, are you know how to send me an MP3 of it, aren't you? Uh, I actually let's see if I might be able to. Skype <clears throat> will allow file transfers. They're a little slow for talking, but it'll get here. Well, no hurry. We can, you know. But so the the cool thing though, this this tune. Um, it's all in odd meters and mixed up like you're used to hearing with onomatopoeia, where it starts out in four and then it goes to the seven, eight, and then there's a section with, I think it's uh, 33 sixteenths, a couple key changes. You know, it's going back and forth, but it's like a clock. It's all, it's a little off kilter and it plays against itself. Kind of like a. You know, in a simple sense, think of like the you know the row 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 your boat yeah, row row yeah yeah a, a round yeah imagine yeah. round but it's not 
everybody duplicating each other. It's yeah. He, over well, over like the decades, like a fugue almost. Then maybe I mean, a little bit. Yeah. He, Tom had several little themes that had been built up in his head for decades, and one day he noticed that they all fit together, oh, and he he just scored it. It sprung forth from his head, yeah. and he put it down in front of us after you know working it out mathematically in uh, some composing software, and everybody went okay, <laughs> and sure enough, um, it is special. So I. Unlike, so here I am prepping for the big concert, right? And Tammy knows I'm doing that. That means that I spend a few nights at home working out ideas for solos so that I have, you know, some material to pull from when, you know, yeah. the heat's on. Yeah. And I'm looking at this 7-8 thing, and I'm, I'm just trying different ideas to try to find something to, you know, really work it. And 7-8's uh, a little risky because if you get disoriented, you're screwed. <laughs> you don't uh, know what the hell's yeah. going on. You've got all these standard patterns yeah. that you're used to in 3 and 4. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah. 7-8 um, is tough. But I, I have to – so uh, it was a little insecure, so I'm like, oh, okay. Well, luckily, so I showed, nobody in the audience could tell the difference, so you well, have a, yeah. a little leeway there. This is like a musician's <laughs> tune because yeah. most, most people – they know it sounds cool, but they don't they really don't realize all the stuff going on. on. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, you're there to impress the musicians. The yeah. Audience. I don't want to be as kind of that way. Musicians <laughs> go, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, well, yeah, that was nice. It was very fun. And, 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 and you know, we're like, yeah. we have no idea what, you know, what I Tom saw, I saw Yellow Jackets performing here <laughs> a couple of years ago, and they, uh, they were playing with, of all people, Keiko Matsui, you know, uh-huh. and, and they came on second, and there were like, 2000, I mean, this huge auditorium was full of people to see Keiko Matsui, you know, and then when her set was done and, and Yellow Jackets came on, like three quarters of the audience left <laughs> before they even played, you know, and then after they started playing, half of the people who were left, left, <laughs> you know, but the ones who stayed had a great show, I'll tell you, it was awesome, you know. So. <laughs> the, Tam, Tammy killed me on this one, though. She she had heard the um, a, just a practice on this tune, and she was she was taken with the tune. And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, it is very special. It's and and frankly, every new tune we come up with for me, Habanera is the standard by which you know I measure them all. <laughs> and she, I said, well, hey, check out uh, here here's some ideas uh, that I have for the you know the solo, the direction I'll head with it, and. She listened to it, and her normal reaction is, "Oh, that's all wonderful, honey. That's awesome. Yeah. You go." Yeah. And this time she said, "Yeah, it's nice and all, but uh, this is a special tune. Go back and come up with something really special." Yeah. Wow. You have to do this one justice, and I'm like, "That that's unheard of." She she's never. Getting picky now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that shows that she has some knowledge also that that well, uh, maybe she yeah. didn't even have before. And she she has been getting more sophisticated, but she uh. I, I thought it was remarkable that she um, she would actually say, "No, that's yeah. not enough for this yeah. tune." Yeah, yeah, that Take shows it up. sophistication. That's awesome. So does Skype let me play an MP3 like a sound effect? Uh, probably, but I don't want to hear it that way. Uh. I, uh, there's no point in listening to music unless it's in stereo, uh, in high quality. Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, period. I don't have a nice recording. All I have is this crappy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, like you can get it straight hot off the board, you know, during a concert. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got the hot off the board, you know, really horrid mix, yeah. but you can hear what the tune is. Yeah. And just imagine onomatopoeia doing it, you know, with nice mix. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I, there's no hurry. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, 
I want to hear what it really sounds. I mean, you don't have a good recording of of this thing. Your the, your oh, favorite it, thing, and you it's just debuted. Oh, we I have, see. This is a new piece. It takes time well, to get into this. Are yep. you going to do it uh, at your concert coming up? Oh yeah. Oh well, I'll wait for that. I'll, you can send me the DVD. It'll, yeah, I'll do that. It'll, yeah, it's being scored so that we have sixteen strings backing us up on do this you thing. Like that idea? Why? The uh, 16, that that's well. Of course, this is a show. It's not a jam session. So you're right. You no, know. yeah. It they actually uh, it does make it uh, tougher because the jazz elements um, we have to be more clear about when we're going to start and stop or yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. When you know with are these they guys, they're wild the whole time, and they're just going to be there off to the side, or are they going to come on for things and then go off? Stage I think or they're what? pretty much parked on the stage, and in every other tune or so, they have parts that they come in on. Yeah. And, and the string players, uh, Tom, will cue them when they're needed. Yeah. Uh, and Tom is there to, to save, you know, to, to get them to the right place if something happens. Because, you know, it's uh, on stuff happens. Uh, <laughs> yep. it, it's true. They, it just, uh, someone will miss a roadmap turn, one of those complicated roadmaps. Oh, yeah. And um, these guys are so good, they roll with it, and almost nobody can tell. Uh, yeah. Tammy yeah. has heard it, you know, a hundred times. So she's like, hey, you guys did something a little different on that tune. It's like, yeah, we were recovering because Tom took the wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the most fun part of it, actually, is somebody screws up. So you have to duplicate the screw up so that everyone thinks you meant to do it. <laughs> it's you, Most people don't realize that. Uh, the people who get it are the ones who, they love watching us because oh, yeah. they can see us work stuff out, you know, <laughs> looking at each other going, did you mean that? Okay, we're going here now. Okay, yeah. yeah. The very first concert I played with them, when I after I jammed, you know, I jammed these 30, you know, 25 tunes into my head in three weeks, I and jittery in front of a bigger audience than I'd ever been in front of, so this was a lot of stress for me. I, I just started playing with this group just a few weeks, you know, before, and we're on the stage playing this tune, and... It's um, there's a big solo that the string guy is playing, and he finishes it in a predictable way so that we can do a really big flourishy yeah. thing. Yeah. He uh, finishes with what's called the mother of all licks, and it goes uh, <laughs> so it's really fast, sixteenth notes in a wild pattern up and down, and they didn't have it scored, of course. So I listened to the CD very carefully to figure out when are they changing direction. Where exactly are they hitting? And then I built a, a harmonized part for it. So I had my part. The way it goes, at, he, at the end of his solo, he does the lick one time, the mother of all licks. And then all the horn players, me, the flute, and him, we all do it again, all three of us, only with harmonization. Yeah. And usually it brings the house down. The audience is just like, oh, my God, you know, because it's <laughs> got yeah. these people flying yeah, in even, you know, prestige even, formation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I... He, <coughs> to do that um, uh, see you've done jazz uh, and, and you're, you know the rules um, it, it shows up at a certain place in, uh, in the cycle you, you could do it out of phase right it, it, it's kind of like well yeah, no you need to wait for the start of an 8 beat it, yeah if you can if you're strong enough <laughs> to keep but it <laughs> somehow he got disoriented during his solo oh. and he did the mother of all licks out of phase with the song so he was off yeah. by say you know a measure yeah a whole uh, measure well, it was it was just turned around. It was like yeah. he did it on beat one, but yeah. it was beat one of the wrong dang measure. Oh. <laughs> uh oh! So it did, didn't belong there. So the moment he started, I was here. I am on stage, Yo, going, "Oh shit!" Now what? Here, here we have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Either we Whoa. answer him as if he was right, yeah. yeah, and that makes it absolutely wrong because it's in the wrong place. Yeah. 
Four? But, but there are three of you who have to decide the same way and at the same time. The whole band is uh, doing their own thing, too. Yeah. It's just the three of us are doing yeah. the, the precision flying formation. Yeah. Oh, or shit. or we ignore him, make him look bad, which is wrong, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're And do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sitting there quietly to myself, I only have a few seconds, and I'm like, well, no, yeah, the audience can't No, you have a half a second, probably, days. right? Yeah. Yeah, you have audience like a... Tell. Yeah, so I uh, I told myself uh, I need to answer him as if he's right because the audience will never know that it was out of phase even though we do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, gee, I hope everybody else realizes that's the better of the worst decisions. Sure enough, seven people all changed on a dime without saying a word or even looking at each other. Oh man! And that's when I was like, this is the band to hang with. This they will watch in, your back. You're in the right group there, man. That's awesome. So that, that that was a moment where I was just like, well, we look at that. Everybody did exactly the right thing as if nothing ever happened. And that's the funny thing. It was trauma in every one of our heads. We were all like, oh, crap. The audience didn't realize anything happened. No, they had no, not a clue. Yeah. You know, one of the things that always sort of amazes me is I can't imagine why non-musicians even bother listening to music. I, I guess most of them listen to songs, and they think that's what yeah, music they, is. They listen to the they words. Like, yeah, they get an emotional feel, but that's about all, I think. Yeah. Because I, mean, I I didn't even realize it until I was older when I was in a ballroom dancing class, and I'm like, you have to teach people where one is. Oh. <laughs> it never occurred to me they wouldn't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it just amazes me. It's great. You, know, you never know that people don't know these things. Yeah. And people say, oh, I love music. Yes, oh, I love music. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> you, know, you don't even know music. You know you know, yeah, I know enough that I don't hear it the way, you know, Dizzy Gillespie and those guys, how they hear it. Well, yeah, the thing, well everyone people, hears their own, yeah, at that point. Yeah. At, their, their penetration of the music is like, I hear a certain level of stuff going on and can work with it at a certain you know, degree of yeah. skill. But there are these people that they really hear it. <laughs> they hear it all, all, all the way down. Tom's well, like that. Well, see, no, no, see, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, now here's where my linguistics comes in. When you start talking about all the way down, I would say no, very deep. Oh, yeah, well. The, the very for, concept of all, I mean, let's get back into a little bit of philosophy, which is yeah. what we so came Yeah, so by all the way down, I just mean so deep that I can't go Deeper that Deeper than you can go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like okay. playing chess with uh, someone better than you. Yeah, well, yeah. They, could, they could be twice as strong as you, and it won't feel much different. <laughs> all you know is that you're getting creamed. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, and and that they're having no no problem. Well, Tom, the string player, who can play literally everything yeah. in the string section and a whole bunch of wind instruments too, he's an orchestra. He he hears everything. Yeah. Something's going on in the band, and it'll be like, wow, you you picked that out, and I've got dang good ears. Yeah. yeah. So that that kind of thing always impresses yeah. me. My problem, well, it's not a problem. I'm just, I, I was never a good player. I started too late, and I never practiced. <laughs> so, you know, that yeah. didn't go very far. That's, that's <laughs> why I'm a dilettante rather than a guy who you know. was on the road to Tina Turner or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sting. But, uh, but, you know, um, yeah, I am a damn good listener. I really am huh, a much better yeah. listener than I ever was a player. And that's one of the reasons I quit playing. Because <laughs> uh. <laughs> I realized there was, I just didn't like what I heard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I, um, when I stand next, you know, 
follow, you know, like Phil, you know, the one o'clock lab band from North Texas State. He he can hang with that. To follow him is a hard thing to do. Uh, it, it it's very humbling to be on the same stage as them. It's just like it, I almost want to apologize every time and say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm here to hold down my part. Most of the audience can't tell that I'm really not on you guys' level, but thank you for letting me hang out with you. Yeah. Well, have you ever said that to them? Yeah, yeah they tell because, me. But, but, yeah. Yeah, well, no, but I mean that's a good thing to say because you're right. I mean it's true. You know, yeah, and they, you do bring a certain thing. I mean, you also do bring something that's unique. Uh, you know that they're probably very glad to have. But, yeah, I do. I bring things that they need, yeah. and I, I hold down stuff that needs to be held down. Like you know, not too many people in this town can do, but yeah. I still know the difference between me and them. They, they, uh, Tom, he lives it. I'm, a, I'm a weekend warrior. Yeah, but yeah, you're, and this, you're just that, really fortunate. That's, that's to it. Be that's in the. That group, that's yeah. the Army Ranger versus the you know the 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 guard guy. Is there, you know, this is the thing that just bugs the crap out of me. You know, I mean, there are so many musicians out there, you know, making lots of money, making albums, you know, and doing concerts, and they're all so boring, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, a lot and of then there are stuff. really trained, precise, committed, spiritual, intellectual musicians out there making really creative strides. And uh, and your group has been together for 15 years. You've been there a couple years, and this group only yeah, does no three concerts. You say what you do three concerts a year? Yeah, three, three or yeah, three or four. And and how do you get these gigs? Who I mean, how do you get these gigs? How does There's anybody self, know about you? I've never heard about you before. <laughs> um, you know? Well, we're we're actually we're Kevin, uh, the leader. He is, of course, you know working to get us noticed on a national level so yeah. that we can go and play play gigs you know in other yeah, other cities pay you to go to another country and like Europe I mean there's lots of exactly you know that's where you guys uh, might be far better appreciated he he would he's working to make that happen and uh, you never know what what causes a band to break out it's a really strange thing uh, we definitely have the music and the chops you and you guys have got it yeah you know I mean I don't think it's even about breaking out I think it's about Finding your audience because they're there, and with yeah. the internet, um, yeah. You know, my my friends from work. You know, because I the first first time I played with these guys, I told all the guys at work, I'm like, hey, check this out. I'm playing with this big band, and you wouldn't believe what I you know what I'm going to actually do. So they come down and they watch the concert, and you should have seen their faces. <laughs> they, they come up to the stage shaking at the at the break, like, oh my god, why haven't you quit your job and gone on the road with these guys? Yeah, right, yeah, and right. Like, I don't. Wouldn't I, would I like to. <laughs> yeah, one, I would love it, and two, I I would starve. <laughs> Well, not but, if you uh, not if you guys um, get yeah. your marketing act together. I think you need to get all your stuff recorded and make it all available on the internet for anybody who wants it. And uh, I mean, if, if you are you guys, you guys actually have a like a marketing campaign. Uh, uh, we have strategy. Not, that's a easy way to say it. But uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, our marketing our marketing person uh, hasn't been around much lately. But uh, this this concert that's being videotaped. Yeah, how did you get uh, that? That's a great deal. Kevin built a relationship with the local PBS station, and uh, he's done other documentaries with them, and this will be something like that. Oh, okay. So cool. we're going to get a two-hour concert DVD out of it. They're going to get a one-hour concert program out of it, and that DVD is probably going to be our ticket into some uh, jazz festivals and things oh, like that. that's awesome. That's awesome. And pieces on YouTube as well. Yeah. So this is, yeah. this is actually going to be put into marketing. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, it stretches the hell out of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's coming at the end of this month. I mean, it'll be whatever it is. <laughs> you know, that's, it'll be over get, by the end of the month, one way or another. <laughs> I tell myself that every year. We get all worked up, and like the minute after the concert's over, it's like, oh, well, uh, that's <laughs> see that. You next, see you next year. <laughs> and it seems like such a huge deal right before the concert, right after the concert. It's like, oh, okay, back to our you know yeah. normal routine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and uh, when I get to the final days, psychologically, that's what I have to tell myself. It's like, I've done all the prep I can do. I'm going to yeah, be as no yeah. prepared. I might as well just relax and have fun. Yeah. That's why I was as a test taker in school is, you know, when it came to when I actually walked into the room, whether I was well prepared or totally unprepared was irrelevant to me. You know, I was always the first one out. I mean, I knew what I knew. I knew what I didn't know. I didn't waste time agonizing over what I didn't know. I went in there and answered the stuff I knew and left, you know. Exactly. And it worked very well. No stress. (laughs) You know, it was great. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. I was just looking at the uh, the Skype interface because I haven't looked at Skype in a long time. Um, and it's the tool you've been using. You, you, uh... Skype is my main communication tool with the world now. I don't even. I very seldom use email now. Everybody I know uses Skype, and yeah. so we just message each other. And uh, if I want to talk to them, I call them on Skype. I have a. I don't even have a landline phone anymore. I, my and I put like, I think last month I put like forty minutes on my cell phone. You know? Oh, you really. You really are wired this way, yeah. Well, it's just that the phone. Uh, did I, I think I mentioned this about the lateralization of sound in the brain? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've become really sensitive to that over the last few years, and when I when I'm talking on the phone, I just don't feel like I'm really up to any kind of actual conversation. I mean, if I'm I, I use it to tell people I'm going to be five minutes late or. or you know for some you know something like that you know but uh and sometimes people i don't know do call me and i and i talk with them on the phone but i i always i feel almost handicapped for any kind of real conversation right right now i mean we are in the matrix it's not like you're there and i'm here it's like we are here we're here in this space and without yeah. without uh, sound in both ears, I don't get that uh, sensation. Right. Yeah, that it does it does surround you and kind of envelop you this way. It's uh, it's it's the matrix, and I'm not and I'm jacked in right now, and you are, and we are in literally in this space together. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to find a. And oh. Hold on a second. There it is. And one. Ah, here we are. Disc one. Nope. Disc two. There. Now, uh, you need to throw this away, and you have to recognize that it's a, it's total crap. Okay. <laughs> and and, and, and you're serious. Uh, I need to throw it away. Yeah, please do. This is, How many times uh, can I listen to it? I mean, I need to know. See, if we're going to start ta- using language precisely, telling me to throw it away is absolutely uh, useless because I could throw it away ten years from now. 
Oh, yeah, just, uh, get rid of it within like a week. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, I just want to, do you see why I would ask that question? Yeah, that's a, that's, um, I mean, by, yeah, there's, by, no, by, there's yeah, no integrity share. in promising or, or requesting that of anybody. Uh, again, this is my linguist stuff. Uh, those that that kind of a formulation to ask somebody to promise to throw something away, and they say, "Of course I will," is totally irrelevant. It's like, well, sure, and anybody can do anything and and claim justification for it. Yeah. So by that I mean, don't keep it for more than a week, and please don't pass it on to anybody else. Oh, I got it. Thank you, <laughs> and I accept those terms. <laughs> yeah. Now this will only give you a concept of what it is. The the recording is heinously bad. Yeah. And there's even error near the end. The uh, the flute player made a mistake, and uh, and this is the very first public performance of this tune. All right. Well, so I'm it was it was actually a bit rough. Yeah, this is going to take. You know, while we're talking, uh, this you know, I, well, you're probably not familiar with Skype uh, and file transfer. <laughs> it's extremely slow while we're talking because of the limited bandwidth, and and it's giving yeah. Skype's giving it all to voice. The minute we get done with this call. Uh, that thing will shoot across there, okay? Yeah. So, so and, and, it's, and it's quite content to just plod along now because it really, uh, the way Skype works is it gives absolute priority to the voice. And um, so we, we'll be okay, and that thing will just plod along, and if we're still here talking two hours from now, it'll be done. And if we leave at any point, it'll go a lot faster. So we can ignore nice. it, and I'll end up with the file tonight. And it is... Um, what Tuesday night? So I've got till next Tuesday to enjoy this <laughs> <laughs> before yeah. I destroy it. Okay. Why do you? Uh, uh, why must I destroy it? Why not just ask me not to share it with anybody? Why can't I keep it? Um, that because makes it since easier. You, since you have to trust me anyway, <laughs> I mean, the only point of having me throw it away is so that I won't share it, right? Yeah. Also, uh, so that maybe it would be. Uh, uh, supplanted with the with the real one later. Oh, well, then I will definitely have no use for this one <laughs> at that point. But, but oh, yeah. uh, so uh, if I promise that I won't share it with anybody, yeah, uh, just don't I share it. With it? Okay, yeah, I don't, can do that. Don't put it on the internet. Don't share it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep it to myself and do what I want with it. So uh, I'm the one up there, yeah. and you'll you'll recognize the uh, the seven eight solo. Oh, cool. Um, but it it is a terrible sound and. Tom, of course, uh, well, you, you've, you've heard the real recordings of us, so you know the kind of timbre we should have. Yeah. But yeah. his, uh, yeah, it was yeah, the I normal... Yeah, it. it's not a good recording, but it, it, it'll give me yeah. a sense of what the piece is about, and uh, yeah. I'll just take it and just that. Imagine it with, uh, you know, like 16 strings backing it up, you know, helping on the string parts, and... Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that. I mean, I'm, I mean I haven't, I've only heard those four or five cuts that are on the, your website... <laughs> And, uh, yeah. you know, and so I, you know, and they're all, and again, it's the same thing as I hear with the Yellow Jackets. I mean, it's so dependent on, on this, um, chamber music aspect without, you know, this group mass sound, you know, every, every line has its, a separate instrument, you know? So. Yeah. He, he actually, uh, he puts on his orchestra hat and he takes basically How himself. How many strings in this sec, in this, uh, orchestra? Uh, 16. Basically, he what, writes what, it as four it? parts. Okay, so what's the instrumentation, actually? 
Oh, um, there's uh, several cellos, first and second. Uh, there's a first and second violins, uh, some viola action and cello action, and there might be a bass. Okay, so it's basically a, a mini orchestra then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Boy, that's. And it adds a rich good. sound. Well, yeah. some of the some of the recordings that are on Kevin's website, you can you can probably hear more than just a string guy playing, and that's a uh, Tom in the studio being an orchestra. Sometimes yeah, he okay. he does many there was parts. One on there that had some sort of vocal uh, synthesized timbres, or, or am I thinking of something uh, else I've re- listened? Is to? it called? Uh, was it called? Um, I don't remember the names now, but I just Lord have- I've heard something recently where where there are some. Obviously, synthesized keyboard, but sounded like uh, you know a, a chorus, sort of. You know, huh? I've got a curse. Uh, actually, K one thousand. Kevin has fun in the studio. He does things that we can't do on stage. Yeah. Um, and very often, though, we we it does sound just like that on stage. But sometimes he he did add actual vocalists on, on "Gather Us In," uh-huh. and uh, Tom did many parts on. A couple of those tunes where, yeah, unless he brings in a string section like he's doing, he he won't get those. Yeah. So the the art there is for him to orchestrate the classical parts and leave them out of the way on yeah. the jazz parts. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just a whole different thing. Like I say, I've. Um well, it's just a personal taste for me. I mean, I like some orchestral music. Well, I like a lot, actually, but I'm I'm much more comfortable with more modern stuff like Shostakovich and. Coffee F and people like that, and where the whole orchestra actually is almost like a chamber group, where every damn instrument's got its own line, you know. And it's, uh, that's what the yeah the main onomatopoeia. It's like there is nobody who's inessential. Yeah, um, yeah. Every part matters, and with the strings, um, he he. Um, it's because they're so quiet. I think that he he, he uses them for uh, regulating volume by getting you know several people on one yeah, part. Yeah. Well, again, it, it just adds another dimension. I mean, yeah, that you, you know, beyond. It's just that what I really appreciate is what the actual musicians, the individuals are doing in the thought process. You know, well, being a musician, yeah. that's what I mean. Is uh, That's the part that interests me most. I, like I say, I really enjoyed listening to that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the DVD. <laughs> yeah, and that is where the fun is. It's watching. Yeah. With the DVD, you get to see the body language where it's like, oh, here's yeah, how I handle yeah, solo. Yeah, here's how we yeah. negotiate, you know, correcting something that went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen Bella Fleck? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a fucking group he puts together. Oh, my man. gosh, yeah. <laughs> Those guys, uh, uh, I think Kevin's inspired by Bella Fleck quite a bit, yeah, actually. Yeah. And Flim and the BBs. He loves Flim and the BBs. I don't um, know that one. Oh, yeah. They've, those guys uh, uh, were awesome. Man, you know, there's so much I don't know. It's just pathetic. I mean, I I know a lot. I know a lot more than most people, but you know, there's just entire, you know, worlds of music that I just haven't ever even heard of. You know. Yeah. Well, same here. I um, being a not not a super well trained person. I uh, I've been on the jazz scene and I yeah. I play gigs and there are these jazz heads who. Come out like this uh, lady named Annie who was married to um, a national level jazz drummer, and she's she you know she's like I love how you play you've got just you're natural you're an old soul hey, have you listened to so and so and so and so and I'm like who are they and she's like oh geez 
you you young punks you don't <laughs> i don't know all the names i don't know all the tunes i i can't yeah i don't have all the references cuz i'm too young it's like i yeah i don't have it all under my under my fingers that way yeah so she she's taken it upon herself to educate me <laughs> yeah I've just, uh, I've, I've, you know, I went on this downloading spree for a couple of years when I discovered MP3s and everything. I've got probably one of the best MP3 collections in existence. I've got 900 gigabytes <coughs> of uh, MP3s. Well, no, I, no, actually, that's not true because it's, it's probably it's not not that much, and a lot of it is spoken word too. But anyway, I've got a lot, and uh, and I downloaded. It, it fairly indiscriminately, uh, just you know, I threw a lot away, but I stumbled into stuff that I just you know, it's just you don't run into, you know. And one of my favorite discoveries, I can't even pronounce the name, it's like Tsomborga, and it's two guys from Japan, it's percussion and bass. Weird, <laughs> what a combination! Percussion and bass, two guys, all you know, no electronics, no nothing. Well, it's electric bass, and, and well, no, there is some manipulation of it. And their voice, they use voices, but they don't use uh, actual language. They just use their voices as instruments. Uh, cool. It, it is just so bizarre, you know. It, it, the, the amount of creativity in the world, is, you know, it's, it's just just astounding, you know. God, what a, what a great planet. <laughs> And, I, and I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing because it really, you know, there's so many drudges in the world who come home and watch Laverne and Shirley reruns, <laughs> you know, that that it's really great to run into somebody who's actually doing some neat stuff. So thanks a lot for restoring my faith. <laughs> uh, well, there's a, hopefully there's a lot, a lot of people we just haven't noticed yet having a lot of fun. Well, that would but, be nice, <laughs> you know. So, oh well, we we sort of avoided maybe uh, all the fun stuff you wanted to talk about. Uh, no, we haven't avoided anything. I wanted to talk with you. That's all. You're doing oh. one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is that you're doing something that I am sort of aspiring to do. Uh, oh, well, actually, all I did was throw out a little announcement and say, "Well, no, come." You, st- well, yeah, but how did you attract? I mean, you have attracted a really sharp and dedicated group of people. Uh, how the hell did you do that? Um, it's a little, it's sort of endemic to the uh, objectivisty crowd, actually. They, they tend to have a lot of pointy heads. Well, there is a crowd. Oh, that's right. So there is a crowd. So there you, is a crowd, yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I happen to be one of the uh, co-bloggers at arguably the, uh, the most prominent objectivist blog. Oh, okay. So all right, all right. on that blog, I announced it, and... Uh, at the seminar, I think we have 150 people signed up, and maybe yeah, 10 or 15 people that show up regularly. And you've got um, a core though of like four. What? What's your core? Like between three and yeah. five, I guess, or yeah, somewhere around maybe five people show yeah. up every single time. Yeah, and and they're they're good enough. And then we've got probably I don't know. I'm guessing 35 people are are downloading the uh, the podcasts and listening to them. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I just realized, uh, you know, you just really solved a problem that has been bugging me. And well, it's not a problem; it's just a re- realizing the situation is that there, uh, what I'm trying to do doesn't have any recognition as an item in the universe yet. 
You know, I mean, objectivism, yeah. Ayn Rand, uh, is a marketable name. You know, I mean, there uh, are a lot of people who know about her, uh, who uh, who have read the books, who were changed by those books, and they're out there, and they know they're out there, and they identify yeah. themselves as that. So you got a a huge um, group so, of people yeah, basically. To pick from. I was appealing to people who who recognize that she existed and yeah. also recognize that it, it requires real study to to get it. Yeah. And, and so it's like, okay, come study with me. I, I've been down the road for a decade and a half, and and I need I need another round on the on the mill, and you can jump on. Yeah. And so here we are. And uh, and how long has this, this particular session been going? Uh, the, this. We're just you know, book after book right now. So the first book had a different number of people so in this book. How long ago did this start then? I mean, this uh, week. What are they? Weekly meetings. Yeah, one once per week. Let me. Uh, I can tell you precisely, actually. Uh, <laughs> if I go to uh, hey, let me uh, let me. I'm gonna go fill my wine glass if you don't mind. So I'm gonna take <laughs> one minute and I'll be right back. And you. All right. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll do the same. I'll rejoin you in a minute. Okay. Are we back? Yes. Oh, there you are. So, um, anyway, yeah, the I was going to dig up an answer here for you. <laughs> you have to remind me what the question was now. <laughs> One second. I'm um, I'm looking up when was the first week oh, of yeah. right. R. So this book, the plan was we were going to do one section basically every week, and In that's which about. Book is this? Uh, objectivism, the philosophy of Ayn Rand. It's the seminal, uh, seminal summary of Rand's philosophy, laid out written. in fairly, uh, fairly rigorous form. When was it and written? Thought, oh, it was written ninety-one or so, but okay. by uh, the person who arguably understands her philosophy better than any other living person, uh, Leonard Peikoff. He, he studied under her for 30 years, has a Ph.D. in the history of philosophy. And uh, it is it is a stunning work. He did a wonderful job on it. How many pages? It's, it's a big print, about 500 pages. Okay. It's it's not that long a read. His intent was to <laughs> lay out... That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. It, he, he's, he, as he explained, uh, it would have been far easier for him to do... 12 volumes of the same length rather than one volume with 12 chapters. Um, but his purpose was to get the entire theoretical structure of the system into a single volume so you could get it all in uh, within one frame of reference and, and yeah. see the whole. Yeah. Um, so we finished uh, Dr. Tara Smith's um, Ayn Rand's Normative Ethics on uh, in... March, and in May we began. Middle of May we began OPAR. So an OPAR we're probably take out of here. I, I, I'm not familiar with Rand's uh, terminology. So well, I'm sorry. Um, there's a habit in this uh, in this subculture of the the really important books are referred to their acronyms. So OPAR is short for Activism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand. Okay. O P A R. And yeah. IDOE is Introduction to Objectivist Epistemology. So, yeah. I mean, um, 
that that really only happens with the theoretical work. So, yeah. uh, well, that makes sense. I mean, if you're in that field, then it just makes sense. Everybody yeah. knows that stuff. Yeah. So, Peacock yeah. did not originate that, but the people who studied this, it's a seminal work. So, um, you you get a, a short tag so that everybody can uh, name it very yeah. quickly. Yeah, I got it. So, um, yeah, I proposed back in May that we we work through this at uh, one section per week, which is about ten pages ish. And it'll take about a year, so it's about 500 pages. So it's a very light reading load, uh, heavy conceptual load, though. And uh, we're just chewing on it as we go. And the hope is that after it's all finished, I can tell people, okay, now, given that we've done this exercise, sit down and just read open back, you know, take... Uh, having done the, the grinding on it past that we've just done, you, hold on a second, it's Greg. Greg, wait, Greg, stop for a second. Now, I'm getting some audio difficulties here. L- let's hang up. Let me call you and see if that okay. uh, solves the problem. So I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call you. All right. Okay. okay. Yeah, that seems to have solved it. All right. Uh, much better. So, yeah, and uh, given that it's it's the, the premier um, summary. I, oh, there are summaries of different lengths. You can see there's a Galt speech in Atlas Shrugged is 50 pages. This is 10 times as long. Mm-hmm. And um, there are works like uh, Dr. Smith's uh, Ayn Rand Norman of Ethics, which is um, that single volume uh, equivalent of a single chapter in OPAR. So as is, as is the case in every technical field, you can you can go in as deep as you want. And why do you put so much energy into objectivism? Um, well, uh, let's, I'm not quite sure how to hit that one. Um, I mean, you, you obviously, you must have read her work, or, or what is it? You had some experience that changed your life. Oh, I... It's true, but I don't think about it that way. Like, uh, you know, someone who might talk about their, say, church experience, where it's like, oh, I was down and out, and then I I uh, met the right people, and Jesus came into my life. Well, and it is very much ag- like being born again, though. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> the analogy I'm making. Yes. Yeah, it, it's true. Some people are that way. They I've had several um, of those experiences. They uh, A common experience is for people... Uh, so. There's the typical objectivist type person, and then there's me. No, I want, yeah, I'm just curious what happened to you. I mean, yeah. how were you? So, did you? I mean, there's your, this music side of you. There's this geek side of you. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, also the mountain the biking. Not, okay, okay, that. Uh, see, see, you're one of those people that I hate. You know. Because I can, I can only really do one thing, <laughs> you know. And well, I, <laughs> I can be a dilettante on, on several fronts. Really, it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I'm not. A, uh, each of the things that I do has been, you know, long in the making and hard won. So uh, I happen to have a knack for computer science. It, it really is one of the. And going through school, I was a mediocre student, but. Uh, Get me around machines, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, you know how to deal with them. I, I have a, I had, you know, I have a knack, and that's, that's yeah. it. I, I stood out there, yeah. so that was an easy choice. Um, the music thing, it turns out, I had a knack, even though I didn't, you know, invest. Obviously, I didn't invest myself in it. I, I faced a choice: uh, be a musician and starve, or be a geek and 
and probably but don't you starve. You still must have spent, I mean, you don't get those kind of chops without yeah. doing a lot of work. Yeah, in, in high school, I, I wasn't social. I was a geek. Yeah, okay. So, so you were either playing I, with computers, computers or you were uh, you were playing uh, the sax. Yeah, I was a band geek. So I was not a philosopher in high school. Okay. <laughs> All I was was someone who enjoyed <laughs> you know, like science. A band geek and a science geek. <laughs> yeah, I was a band geek and a science geek. Uh, <laughs> computer science in particular was where I actually... Uh, yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed you know uh, other sciencey geeky things, but the computer science is yeah, where yeah. I I I could tell okay I am not one of the normal crowd on this front. Yeah. So the music thing, yeah, I had a bit of a knack, but I never and I did work as people do up through high school and college on it, just like anybody who was getting say a music degree, but it was a minor for me, not a major by that point. And so I, I built some chops, but I didn't have a lot of professional experience then. Um, then, uh, it was only after school that I played a little bit with someone who was pro and then I put it down for a decade and then I picked it up again with this guy in the duo and because of the nature of a duo, it demands so much of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it, that's where I really developed my jazz. Guitar and sax. Yes. Yeah. Not, is it electric or uh, acoustic? Yeah, acoustic or you know, like the jazz guitars, uh, yeah. they they plug in, and he also plays an acoustic guitar that's you know amplified as well. Yeah, but um, okay, yeah, it's so not like a rock yeah, okay. it's not playing a Fender Stratocaster. <laughs> no, a Gibson, yeah, that okay. kind of thing. I got you. Yeah, and uh, he's very talented. He can run bass lines while he comps. Yeah, chords, and so that holds down pretty much the oh, whole yeah, rhythm section. Yeah, that does it. Yeah, and then I hold down yeah, the leads. I was and, say, that so, takes one hell of a guitarist to do that. Uh huh. That takes one hell of a saxophone player to do it too. Actually, well, the, that's a the Lotus that's a on really the, open group, man. That's just, you, there's just all sorts of places where you could fuck that up. Yeah. Know? So because it uh, it was only the two of us, we could very ch- carefully choose the tunes we played and how much yeah. we exposed ourselves. Yeah. So we we got to where we could play the you know the, the classics. Of course, it's the perfect. Yeah, the we perfect play the standards. Thing. Everybody yeah. loves the standards. Yeah. I wouldn't sulk much, but nobody cared. And then and where do you I play? just, oh, well, we've just played around town at the coffee shops and the wine bars. And you get paid, and, uh, or oh yeah, yeah we were getting okay. paid from the very beginning. Okay. Um, within two months of getting our chops kind of in shape, we were getting gigs, but it it took a I don't know maybe a year or two before we were being hired for just Tuesdays at you know this restaurant, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. cool. And, and so do you and have a corporate. following of you know people who sort of follow you around where you where yeah, you go? Yeah, there's a couple dozen who will you know wow, show up. That's nice. Play. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, that's th- that was what developed my skills enough to be able to hang and go and sit in with people, and then Onomatopoeia found me. Wow. So yeah. that that was just a late life project that was was leveraging my early life, you know, being a band geek. Yeah. So. Uh, what does it take to become a you know a professional jazz guy around town? Uh, professional in the sense of being paid to do it, not yeah, living by yeah. it. It's what it takes. Yeah. And uh, about seven years in on that project, um, yeah, I get to play these big concerts with Lana Montepia, which is an honor, and I, I, I get to go and uh, sit in with various hot musicians around town, play a regular gig. It's cool. So uh, th- the philosophy showed up later. Oh, and uh, I was not physical. Obviously, being a band geek and a science geek, I wasn't yeah. sporty. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't go out and hike or climb mountains or ride the mountain bike. 
uh, or or do Aikido. Aikido is a uh, practice that I took up uh, a little over half decade ago, and that's a very spiritual internal I'm martial now, art. I am quite aware of Aikido. Oh, okay. So you you recognize the the deal on that? Yeah. Um, so Aikido, jazz, Aikido and jazz feel the same to me. They there's no pushing. You must accommodate what's going on, otherwise it breaks you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good analogy. You're right. And and philosophy started feeling the same too. In principle, um, even in, uh, in the discussions, this is a primacy of existence philosophy. It's it's quite rare in that in that respect. Um, facts come first. You conform to the world, not the other way around. Uh, in in a fundamental metaphysical sense. Of course, in the uh, epistemological and the uh, ethical sense, y- you reshape the world, or uh, you you see the world as you need to do uh, to do that accommodation and to flourish, and that includes creating values in the world. Uh, so, uh, respecting the metaphysically given, you create value. So that's the same to me as uh, jazz. There's a there's a there's a basis for the tune. I must accommodate. There are things happening. I have to roll with and deal with, and Beyond that, it becomes a co-creation, like a like in Aikido. And how do you how does that model uh, deal with spontaneous, uh, you know, just spontaneous creativity when you're doing free improvisation with a group of people you've never played with before? Well, there are rules. Uh, I don't know how much jazz you played, but there is some structure. Um, that's yeah, where but people the structure are. Is totally self-generated by each person. There isn't any objective structure there. No, there there are rules we follow to make it so that we can play. It's it's kind of like a the, the people who installed the plugs in your house are not the same people that built your vacuum. No, I, I know I know that I, I understand but that. But they I, play together because they both followed some of the same rules. Yeah. So in jazz, um, I I have to I've had to explain to lots of people who are like, oh my god, I can't believe you just no, walked I, no, up. You no, didn't. Listen, I understand people. that, but I'm saying there are different kinds of what you're calling. I'm talking. I'm not talking about genres, say. I'm not talking about jazz. I'm talking about human beings who have their various experiences coming together and playing <coughs> music without deciding that it's jazz or, or anything, just listening to each other and responding spontaneously. Oh, yeah. Oh, within uh, certain limits, yeah, that you can, you can find some really special stuff that way. Well, yeah, that's uh, what I, I mean. Again, that's what I guess that's... That's what I'm interested in doing in language, in a sense. Is that, now, why language? Well, just because that's my obsession. I actually discovered recently, it's still sinking into me, that I actually have a sort of mild form of OCD. You've heard that term before. Yeah. <laughs> compulsive disorder. Uh-huh. I'm just lucky that I'm not a hand washer. <laughs> you know, a French speaker, uh, a hand washer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, not, my obsession is linguistics and the relationship between language and thinking and the way we create reality. Uh, you know, our image of reality, the story of our life that we create in the domain of language, and how all that stuff works. And so, it really is a kind of obsession with me. And I and I can't imagine life without an obsession. <laughs> you know. So what form does such an obsession take? Well, I'm just, uh, I think about language a good deal of the time. It's, um, you know, how it, the whole thing. I mean, it actually goes back to my very earliest thought when I was, 
just gaining linguistic ability. I don't even know how old I was. I know the doorknob was somewhere over my head. <laughs> but my earliest memory is, a, is listening to adults talking at a party in a lit room, and I was in a dark room peeping through a crack in the door, and they were making all these funny noises and laughing and talking, and, and I thought, that's really interesting. What are they doing? <laughs> or something like that. I didn't think quite that because I didn't have enough linguistic ability to to articulate a, a thought like that. But I had this sort of fascination with the process that was going on with uh, around language. <coughs> and in a sense, the whole rest of my life has been uh, exploring that domain. So is there a school of thought around linguistics that um, you have uh, that, that – most of your understanding has sprung from no that's see that's why it was so instructive talking to you because like i say you already have a brand name what i'm trying to do doesn't have a brand name <laughs> you know it's it's drawn from several different fields neither one well alan watts was an important part of my life i don't know if you're familiar with him or no i don't know that name okay anyway he was one of the uh uh, well, I'm probably one of the first uh, popularizers, as they call them, in the West of Zen Buddhism. And uh, it was a book of his that gave me, that actually woke me up from the, <laughs> the, rea- the hallucination that most people call reality. Uh, so I obviously started to study his, you know, everything that he thought was interesting. And then I discovered years later a guy named Alfred Korzybski, who was from linguistics, and and that was the other major thread to the work. And, and there's been a lot of stuff. You can, I've got a bibliography on my website of most of the heavy influences. But I think I'm doing something. It's, it's not really new, but it's like repackaging a lot of stuff that's been around for 100 years, but putting them together in a way that I don't think has quite been done before. And I think the world is catching up. That's the other thing. At 20 years ago, when I talked about this stuff uh, with people, most people's eyes just glazed over. But now, I mean, it, if if I can actually get their attention, which isn't always easy, but if I can actually get them listening and they're willing to hear, uh, just about anybody gets what I'm talking about, that the structure of language uh, has uh, an impact on what a language is good for and that English is flawed. And there are certain structures of English that actually impose unconscious assumptions that are wrong. And uh, those can be easily identified. And, of course, knowing about that doesn't make one bit of difference. (laughs) The issue is literally to reprogram the language machine so that those things don't happen anymore. And... um, that's so is that the mission you're uh, you, you said uh, what you're trying to do oh yeah uh, yeah what is what's the mission um, to save earth from the homo sapiens <laughs> <laughs> uh, would that be saving it for homo sapiens no from the homo sapiens well, well in what respect um, well I again the concept of a species see, this gets into these linguistic deals here the very the idea of a species is not a thing itself, okay? It's, it's an idea. There are, no, Ideas, there are no species, actually, as things. I mean, for me, I make a fundamental distinction between a thing and 
I even can't even say it. something else, but that doesn't make sense. But a thing and something that's or not. There's almost no way to say this. I mean, there's a difference between a um, mm. you know a plastic frog or a, a computer or a mouse or a glass of wine or a spoon and um, freedom, dignity, happiness, and wonderfulness. <laughs> to make up a new word. Um, that those actually inhabit different domains of reality, in a sense. Well, uh, to to press a little bit on that, um, the the plastic frog and the computer inhabit different. They're different things too. These are all different. Yeah, but but a, but, but different uh, in a very different way than so, than the way yeah. they differ from th- from you might, love, you know, dignity, and freedom. This is where objectivism might give you a little bit of uh, uh, some some tools to use. Um, the, the lingo you might you might enjoy for for this kind of distinction would be to talk about um, uh, mental entities versus other kinds of things. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't. I'm not specific in need of concepts no, versus uh, no, versus me, existence. What I'm trying to say is, I don't actually. That's what I've been doing is working out the language of this. I, I'm not short of ways to talk about these issues, and that's where where it's going to be interesting for you and I to talk. <laughs> because I'm not okay. interested, literally, in finding a better way to talk about it. I think I've found or created a, b- a better way to talk about it. But it doesn't put me in opposition to you. And, I, and that's oh, no. really important I'm to understand. What the strain is. Well, I'm wondering what the strain is, though, because we've had um, the lingo of concept versus referent for well, quite I, some time. Oh, oh, no, these are old ideas. The problem is is that these ideas don't actually make any difference in people. I mean, to understand these ideas is irrelevant. There's a difference uh, between understanding this and actually getting it. <clears throat> well. And, and understanding it may or may not be useful. And that, or, I mean, clearly it is useful. But um, you can actually get it. Again, the language fails me here. I'm still struggling with this part of it. Um, My first awakening came as a result of information that was not new to me. It wasn't anything I hadn't heard and understood before, but but this time, it was when I was 21, um, hearing something... In a slightly presented in a slightly different I, a way, but I mean, it still, it was the same. Um, there was actually a drawing involved. All of a sudden, it resulted in me getting literally that everything I knew in my life was merely uh, what I'd been told to believe is reality, and I never recovered from that shock. I mean, the rest of my life has flown. Uh, from that. I don't mean flew away, but flown like past tense of to flow. <laughs> what is the past tense of flow? <laughs> flowed. Anyway, yeah, I mean, that's it. Flew. No, no, that's exactly what I don't mean. Flowed is yeah. probably better, better. My life has flowed from flown? that. Flown? <laughs> oh, that wouldn't be either. Yeah. yeah. Flued. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, that, that was, uh, and the difference, like I say, the difference, there wasn't any, literally any new information here, but all of a sudden this information was presented in a way at a moment in time when my nervous system happened to be ready to hear it in a way that totally changed uh, the way I view the world and who I thought I was and what I thought was going on here and what I thought could be going on here and what I should be doing or could be doing or any of that stuff, because up until that moment, 
I had been living my entire life within the constraints of what was expected of me from my parents and the TV and my peers and all of that. It sounds like you you made a nice stride in independence and and specifically cognitive independence. How... how, um, But... you, you, How you many seem people to be, do you? What percentage of people do you think actually come to that realization? Well, I, some people, it's it's not a quantum leap. It's not an epiphany or a shibumi, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's more gradual. They have you know some small degree of independence, and they may learn to appreciate more, and they they press in some dimensions, and they're more independent in some dimensions than others. Um, very few uh, see it. In a stark way, like you did, and 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 take that leap, and probably even fewer do that, and then study something like objectivism and cultivate it as a moral virtue. Mm-hmm. Objective cultivating objectivism. No, objectivism cultivates independence as a moral virtue. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. And so they cognitive yeah. they've con- they they have conceptually identified what you experienced and its objective value to a human being. And it's cultivated as a fundamental virtue, like honesty or justice <laughs> or productiveness. Uh, you know, pick pick some of the big virtues. Well, I don't usually talk about virtues in my work. It's although it's something I need probably to. I, I, I do. Philosophy, so I do. <laughs> well, no, I know that it's there. I mean, it's clearly so, a, an important issue. If uh, if you think of it as something you do to uh, uh, further your life, to improve your life, yeah. to make you happy, however you want to talk about it. Well, see, I'm not even sure what the talking word about do refers to. See, that's the thing is my, my, what, what I've come to is <laughs> what exactly the word I is referring to strikes me as problematic, frankly. <laughs> you know? um, who, uh, where's the problem? <laughs> um, well, when I've got the word... Uh, there you go. You're using it. Oh, I know. I use. Well, no, no, actually, in a sense, I'm not using it. My language machine has been programmed to speak this way. And in well, fact, you're not listening to Heron right now. You're listening to Heron's language machine because Heron isn't smart enough to actually consciously compose language this quickly and this accurately. Well, it's it's strange <laughs> that you would separate yourself from yourself. No, not from myself. From my language machine. Well, why would you call that something other than you? Because do you think it's somebody else? No, it's not somebody else. It's my language machine. The well, voice you, is. Hold up your right hand and look at it. Is that something other than you? You can it, say, it "Well, depends, yeah, that's my well, right no, hand." It depends over there. on what you mean by you. That's exactly what I'm getting well, at. I mean, know? all the all the aspects and parts of you are you, aren't they? Well, but that's, that's, not, that's a meaningless. Okay. That, you know, if you write that out on a piece of paper and analyze each of those, well, this gets back to some stuff that we just can't settle right now because it involves deeper analysis. But what I'm su- suggesting is that just because something sounds like an assertion, for instance, of uh, Noam Chomsky's famous, well, I always like it as a question: Do colorless green ideas sleep furiously? It's clear that that's not just a random sequence of words. Uh, it sounds like an actual sentence, but you're not going to lose any sleep trying to solve that one because it's clearly nonsense in the sense that it, it doesn't have any meaning. That It's not a valid question, even though it has the syntax of a question. 
Certainly. Colorless yeah. green ideas sleep furiously. It's really yeah. just a sequence of phonemes that are sort of a trick, is what it yeah. is. But, and it's, and what it's I'm suggesting is that what, what we, this whole, all, these, all this talk about this I thing, this self, when you start analyzing it from that perspective, at least my analysis has led me to, to the position where I think we're going to have to rethink that stuff. So I, I have a fundamental problem with hearing you say you are being fooled by yourself. Oh, I know. No, I, listen, I can't talk except while well, I'm working on this. So this is part Who's of being the earthling. Fooled? No, but the guy talking. Um, like I said, let me let me say, <laughs> say is that this is one of the fundamental problems of this whole endeavor is trying to reprogram language with language. And it becomes very convoluted very quickly. And especially around the use of concepts of self like I and you and me. Those words are very tricky. Uh, I'm sure we can find subtleties in many things like that. But the bottom line is, here you are saying that you have a speaking you know, facility that... Maybe has some confusions, well, no, but it's still you. That. Well, you assert that. I, I no, you the asserted fact. that. You did. I, I'm believing you when you tell me you're confused. I go, oh, great, there's a you. I'm listening to you tell me you are confused. I believe you. I'm not the one asserting you're confused. You are. I'm not the one asserting that there is a you. You did. Right? Well, I'm, I'm trying to... Like I say, I'm still... Um, struggling with these are the central issues of identity that become really problematic, and and I you know and and I I just have to admit I haven't yet found ways to express this stuff in language that I'm satisfied with. But however, I am quite clear that the ways we have been talking about it are mostly nonsense. But I'm okay. afraid I don't have That's anything you, better to offer except that we we struggle ahead. And explore it, this domain. Okay, so suffer suffer me this little little challenge then. Okay. You are expressing confusion, the inability to talk about some confusion even, so a meta-confusion, where you say that uh, you are clouded by the language constructs that you no, are... No, that's not what I said. Putting it in different words is going to change it. I said what I said, and that's not okay. what I said. So go ahead and say it again, and well, I will I'm, point I'm out sure. exactly No, I can't I, say it again, because, see, the thing is, I'm still working on this stuff. I don't have yeah. formulations uh, that but have all been worked work. out. So I can't. Right. I make this so, stuff up as I go along. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. the bottom line is, it is you working on it, you feeling confused, you expressing confusion, you okay, let me, but there's let still me point, a you. Well, if you insist, I'm not going to argue with that. No, but you're the one insisting. You told me this. And there's absolutely nothing in reality that confuses me about you saying that. Oh, I, know I got people that you're not confused. I understand that completely. You actually believe what you're saying. Well, yeah. Or what you hear your language machine saying. And here, you actually think the voice in your head is you. Well, don't you? who else would it be? It's not, a, it's not about a who. It's about a what. Who is confused about this? Oh, nobody, of course. It's just part of the way the whole system works. No. Well, no, you're saying that I'm... No, I understand, but that's what I'm getting at, is the structure of our language creates the... We say, it's raining. Well, what's raining? 
you know, our grammar requires that we have this thing that stand, that's doing the raining as though there's some separation there. It's nonsense. There's rain. Oh, you there's asked anybody. me to be and, and the same with self. It's our grammar that requires there be this abstract entity that is responsible for actions and stuff. Oh, and, but you I'm saying be that's precise, a necessity of grammar. If you want to be precise, I can do it. You're talking about causality, a very well-characterized principle. And in language, when we make an assertion uh, about a statement of fact, we're talking about either states of affairs or causal effects, things like that. So if I say it's raining, and you ask me to be a little more precise, I'm going to say rain is falling. And, and I would you know, point to some water that's falling in the sky and hitting the ground. And well, you know precisely what I'm talking no, but that's, about. That's just a nonsense example. That, I mean, nobody's. But it was your example. No, no, I, no. It was, just, it was a, an example about uh, making a, a metaphor about the way grammar requires actors. Well, that, that there doesn't need to be one. Is that there's something you're talking about and something you're saying about it? There's nothing artificial about that. There are entities in in existence, and there are things, facts about entities that you might want to note. This is all pretty sensible. Isn't it? Oh yeah, I have no quarrel with that. I just uh, I, all I'm saying is that's you know it's like there can be more than one map for the same territory. You can have a, a topo map and you can have a street map, and they're quite different sure. from one another. And neither one of them is the one and only true map. And I'm um, just saying that well, maps aren't the territory. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that goes. Yeah, saying. well, I mean, but it, but the, what I, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is that. Um, I'm working on some new maps here, okay? okay? I'm not trying to fit it in necessarily with the old maps, although obviously I have to do that to make it accessible. But, but the, the problem, you said there was a problem to be solved, but I have yet to detect even the slightest hint of a problem. No, I understand that. Yes. So what problem is there to be solved? Well, there may not be any problem for you. You may be uh, in your mapping and, and not... You know, you're in your mapping, and you're, the way your map works, there is no problem in this domain. I, I understand that. Yeah. You know, so, it's just that so. there are other dark areas. Each map has the stuff it does well and the stuff it doesn't do well at all. A topo map is really good if you're in the market for flood insurance. It's not very good oh. if you're trying to find a route to drive to work. So depending upon your intentions, you're going to pick one map or the other. What I'm suggesting is I've been working on a map that's good for something that most people don't know they need to have a map for yet. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I want to know. Yeah. What problem does the map solve? What is it good for? What is the tool for? Ah, it, Well, one of the tools it's good for is uh, clear thinking and accurate communication. When you're well, and that sounds like the other maps now. Uh, well, that sounds, yeah, it sounds like what the, the other maps claim. What I'm suggesting is that if you do your thinking in regular, unmodified English, you're subject to certain unconscious, erroneous assumptions. Oh, i got to have an example so I know what you're talking oh, about. easy, 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 easy. You've probably even heard this one before. Um, this is trivial, but it makes the point. Uh, a man and his son were driving home from a soccer game one Saturday afternoon, and they were involved in a head-on collision, and the father was killed instantly. The son was taken to a nearby hospital in critical condition. They wheeled him up to the surgery. The surgeon walked in, took one look at the kid, and said, can't operate on him. That's my son. Yeah, mom. Yeah. Okay, you, you've heard it. 
I hope you've heard yeah. it. Okay. You remember the first time you heard it? Oh, gosh, I was a little kid. So I, it's really hard. But you were, did you get it? Uh, no. No, neither did I. I don't remember no. it either, but I, I do remember that somebody had to explain it to me. <laughs> okay. The point, that whole thing hinges on the fact that an unconscious assumption is operating in that situation. The unconscious assumption, of course, is carried by the word surgeon, which in our society is a man. Nobody told us that, but uh, the minute you hear the word surgeon, you see a man walking into that room, and that creates this apparent paradox, which in fact is no paradox at all, but it's an apparent one, and it's quite effective in people's thinking. Okay. Although so that's, it isn't a paradox if you're watching it unfold, you you see some. Oh yeah, in any kind of no, in any kind of real situation, it's it's like I say, it's a trivial example. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, in in any real situation, that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, so I, let me hear, hear the, what I'm suggesting is that uh, that situation where we walk into situations uh, and that the, the, what I'm suggesting is that. Our language carries, in, in the case, specifically in my case, that I've discovered what I call the five stupidities of English, five specific either words or groups of words or types of words that carry equally or, or much worse, much more dangerous assumptions and that, again, this, our language is generated well below the level of consciousness. Again, like I say, I, there's no time for me to actually consciously compose a sentence like the one I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's this is all being assembled. This is like jazz improvisation. You can't, it comes during the moment. You can't literally be in control of it. I mean, you are to a certain extent, but it really has a lot so, to do with the chops you've already got in your hands. Yeah, you, know? you, you have, you've watched enough, you've heard enough of our discussions to, to recognize that, um, uh, for, for example, objectivism uh, forthrightly says that the vast bulk of your mental life is subconscious. Yes. But it is controlled and trained consciously. Your conscious waking experience is what... Well, that's is a, where I would suggest, that's a great idea. idea. Yeah, I'd say that's a great idea. It would be nice if people were actually responsible for that. Most people don't... You can say that. Like I say, understanding that concept is irrelevant. The issue is to live from that concept. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's where you, you need to actually... Someone who understands it but doesn't actually understand it doesn't understand it. Yeah, that's exactly the point. And I'm, what I'm saying is, just like what I'm talking about, understanding this shit is nice, but it really doesn't make any difference. It takes reprogramming the language machine. Certainly. Um, as a, as, well, the objectivist lingo for this would be, again, um, retraining your psychoepistemology. Yes. So if your yeah. emotions are mistrained or you have a concept that has the wrong connotations, yeah. You use your conscious mind to retrain it, yeah. and sure enough, yeah. it does the right thing. Yeah. Well, then we do have – see, that's the thing. I, you and I have vastly different vocabularies for this stuff, but we're right in alignment in a lot of ways and, and really divergent also in a lot of ways. And I'm part of, again, why I wanted to contact with you is I'm trying to build bridges with people who are in some ways vastly different than me, but in some ways absolutely in alignment with me. So we, we are totally in alignment in, in the, uh, uh, I don't know what language you like to use for it, but in, in the, uh, the vast uh, subconscious you know, faculty that we, we rely on, just like memory. Uh, when, you, when I ask you, hey, what day is your birthday? 
you weren't thinking about that until I asked you, and then you called it up, and it just appeared yeah. <laughs> at the front of your well, mind. Well, even using language like saying we called it up is uh, merely a metaphor. We don't have a clue yeah, how that works. Conjured it. Yeah, it's yeah. like it just appeared. Yeah. You, it appears. You, it may not have been stored in memory. It may literally be invented by the question and the, and well, the it's, response it's awesome. that is programmed into the language machine. But while while people can have you know be fooled about what they really remember and things like that, we do know that memory is a is a pretty well characterized phenomenon. I I give you facts, you can recall them later, like your birthday. Well, You're not making your birthday when I ask you what your birthday is. No, I'm just repeating a formula that's been programmed in. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, it's, just, well, it's that's, this is an activity in the domain of language again. All yeah, well, these kinds of activities. No, it's related to a fact. You were well, born on a well, certain day. Well, facts, it's, I know, but I'm saying that fact can only exist within the domain of language. Dogs don't have birthdays because well, they don't have the linguistic ability to formulate a concept like birthday. And therefore, there are no birthdays for dogs. Only beings with language can have birthdays. So, so that's where we need to be careful and make the distinction. All biological creatures have a moment of creation, or whatever you want to call whatever. it. They're conceived the and conce- born and all yeah. that. Yeah. But the conceptual identification of it, of course, requires a conceptual consciousness. Language. It requires language. It- well, language is one aspect of a conceptual consciousness. It doesn't constitute conceptual consciousness it, per se. No, it may not. I'm just saying that's the part I've focused on, because it's something you can get your handle on. You can well, get your hand around it and actually do something about it because you can observe it. Um, that's that's where I I would I would wonder if you're not looking uh, you're looking at something that isn't the fundamental. I don't know about the fundamental. It's just a useful or, place for me to explore and no, see what I can is, come up with. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to explore. It is a handle you can grab onto. In fact, I but would, if you're I would, if you're talking about reshaping your world and controlling things, there might be a layer below that. Oh, I'm sure there are probably an infinite number of layers below that. Uh, there's no question about that. But I, you can't do everything. And, I, you know, like I say, at least I can't do everything. Oh, I can barely do one I, thing. <laughs> I, I, think it's distorting, I think it's distorting the way you, you think and talk, uh, uh, to follow your own example. Mm-hmm. When you say it is your language machine doing something, mm-hmm. I would say, no, it's your conceptual mind that is having well, an I, issue. I would say that's the same. I'd say that you're, you use conceptual mind the way I use the, the word language or the concept language machine. I'd say those overlap to a huge degree. So why make up a new term? Oh, because I didn't uh, know about your terms. I had to make up my own. Mind? But no, people have been talking about minds well, for mind, a while. Well, no, I know, but that's totally useless. Mind is one of those, you know, I mean, people use oh, mind to, yeah, like to actually know what it means. It's too vague to be useful. Yeah, so here here we need the additional thing of saying, oh, yeah, not just any old mind, yeah, but a conceptual mind. Yeah, let's mind. Talk, well, I would say even further, no, even conceptual is too vague. I would say let's talk about linguistic mind. It's very limited domain, you're right, but it, uh, it, it does have the virtue of being able to get your hands on it. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, if you did not have an available theory of concepts that was worth a hill of beans... That might be the only place you could grab on. Well, I don't know where you could do that outside the domain of language. Well, I, uh, if, uh, well, I, I, I've got my hands on a, a, theory, a theory of concept formation that is uh, held up where the others historically have not, but you probably never saw it. 
what would you be left with? You, you wouldn't use, you know, the nominalist theory of concepts. You wouldn't use the, uh, well, I'm the, left uh, speechless. Realist. No, no, the thing is, I'm left speechless. Uh, I've got all my theories. I've done a lot of reading. You can look at my bibliography on the website, gendo.net, and um, you can see who's influenced me. I've got lots of ideas, lots of theories. In the end, I'm left in awe, in gratitude, and silence. Of what? Of everything, of my experience of existence. Oh, well, yeah. And, and the theories are all wonderful and nice, and I enjoy my theories, and I'm trying to improve upon them. Uh, but I think that all of this uh, pales in comparison to direct experience of reality moment by moment. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not sure how to distinguish that, that my direct experience of reality is uh, sensual and conceptual simultaneously. Well, again, I, I just those words don't just don't do it for me, you know. I mean, I, that doesn't. To use your your lingo, per, perhaps I might say it is experiential and linguistic all at once. Well, like I say, talking about it just doesn't add anything to it. It's, it's like talking about uh, music <laughs> as opposed to playing it, you know. But the map isn't the terrain. Yeah, well, that's all I'm saying is that you know you can you can talk about music but, and you can play music, but and those none, are two very different things. <laughs> you, sometimes you need to pick a path, and then you're going to start talking about a map. So, oh, maps in that sense, useful. it's yeah. more real, more useful to talk about the map than the terrain. Uh, yes, it's just very important to keep straight which one you're talking about. Well, uh, someone with a solid epistemology will do that without yes, fail. Absolutely, and uh, that, uh, as far as I can see, accounts for about one or two percent of humanity, probably less than that. Now, see, that's where my mission lies. Well, I would say you and I are absolutely in agreement. I envision a planet populated by people with conscious epistemological stances. Yeah, but I, I want correct ones, though. There are plenty of conscious epistemological well, stances that are heinous. I'll take that over unconscious epistemology. I, can I don't deal, know. I can deal with somebody... See, I don't think they really are that. You say they're conscious. I would say no, they're not. Hmm. You know, yeah, you can... You yeah, at a certain level, conscious. how right can they be? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I would say no. If you're really conscious, you're on my side. We're all on the same side. Oh, yeah. That's why um, anybody who's uh, uh, genuine about their engagement, I guess you could call it, Engagement with reality, with other people, because other people in reality, too. They're a part of reality. <laughs> um, I don't worry about them, because it'll work itself out. Yeah. Even if they've got real confusion, it's like, well, you're, you're genuine in your engagement. When yeah, you, get, yeah, when you yeah. bump into a hard edge of reality, you'll, you'll go, oh, there's a hard edge there. You do. You know, good luck. <laughs> it's uh, the people who aren't genuinely engaging reality, who are, I don't know, is it, maybe it's, it's a little strong a word, but they're dishonest about it to themselves. Yeah, they then, close yeah. their eyes to yeah. what's really there, well, see, and they don't want it. Where, this is, in a sense, where you and I really differ here, is because ultimately, well, yeah. See, this is this concept of self. You're you're implying this self in there that's that's actually in bad faith. You know that, that there's a self that's capable of being either in good faith or in bad faith, and and I and I'm not even quarreling with that analysis. I would say, yeah, that's one way to, way to map it, and it makes a lot of sense. In another way, I would say that there's actually only one self, and some people call it God, or some people call it, it has lots of names, none of which are worth a damn, but that there's only one entity ultimately doing the universe. 
and uh, well, that's who does you, and that's what does me, and the bug, and the tree, and the planet, and the galaxy, and it's all this single impulse to consciousness. So, not to be too flippant. Okay, so yeah. that's that's really groovy and all. No, no, it's just, it's, just a, it's just a religion, that's all. It just goes way beyond. It just, you know, it, it goes into the pl- place beyond logic and rationality and goes all the way and makes the leap into a but, story. Well, and I don't believe it for a arbitrary. moment. No, I don't okay. believe it for a moment. It's just why entertain the, the big it? grand theory. You know, yeah. You know, it's my why entertain religion. it? Uh, it's, it's dangerous oh, to entertain it. Oh, no, it's not dangerous at all. It gives me clues as to how to think. No, it gives you it gives you practice in making stuff up instead well, of we all identifying. Listen, you facts. make up music. We do what? make up reality. Yes, that's exactly the point. We get to make up the world. No, we don't. Well, no, I know what you're talking about, and I agree with you there. We, my favorite quote of Francis Bacon is, "In order to what? What did he say? Nature, uh, to, reality, be nature to be commanded must be obeyed. Yes, you know so the same the one. Element. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. It, but they're both there. there. There's an element of bowing the to reality, absolute, and then there's which the you creativity that we, that we take with that and create new realities well, by yeah. obeying the old ones. Yes, I agree with you completely, but I'm just... So, yeah, go ahead. Here, here's a, a little lingo that might be helpful in this regard. Okay. The thing that's being distinguished in that statement, even though you don't, uh, you probably don't have the exact words for it, yeah. but it is being distinguished by Bacon. Yeah. Nature commanded must be obeyed. It sounds paradoxical until you say, "Oh." No, no, it's not. It's perfectly it, reasonable. Well, many people would hear a little paradox in there. Yeah, I know, Command and obey. Most, yeah, but most people are morons and totally unconscious, and what they think is irrelevant. They haven't no. really engaged these issues. They well, have if they have tools, they can do it. Good luck. And so ah, here see, to that's share one of the differences between you and me. I've given up on adults. <laughs> not, oh, yeah, adults tend totally. to be crystallized. They, well, they yeah, crystallized yeah, 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 they're brain dead. You know, um, one in a hundred uh, is, is, you know, is, you know, crazy enough to actually wake up. Most adults, yeah. that's why the real challenge is the next couple generations of kids. So you catch the high school kid who hasn't crystallized yet, and you explain no, to him, high school is too late. you got to get him before puberty, and puberty is on something yeah. earlier and earlier. It needs to be between like yeah, 8 and seven. 10. Yeah, so you need to explain to him uh, that it's like, well, look, there's a distinction that you must respect in every realm between the metaphysically given and the man-made. Yeah. The man-made is... Product of the metaphysically given, you can't. Don't go any change further for a minute. I, I, all I want, what I want to say is that we are in absolute agreement about this, but we both have very different uh, maps for this territory, and we're going to have to be careful. Okay. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes maps are wrong. Well, sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're just. Sometimes different. they're, sometimes they're different, like topo maps no, versus yeah, you know. Sometimes you have an photos. old, out-of-date street map or an even out-of-date. Top, topo map. Certainly true. You have to be aware of both possibilities. But what I'm suggesting is in the domains that we're operating in, in these very abstract domains, that the, the, the biggest danger is uh, mistaking two equally valid maps uh, and putting them in, in contradistinction to one another when that's not necessary. They're quite different, and yet they may be both completely valid. Oh, now this is where you, you actually may be assuming a conflict with objectivists that you, you would not find, depending if you, if no, you didn't, I, no, uh, I, say, come in with uh, swinging. No, I know. You're right. No, any person with in any epistemology. Kind of sanity would agree with that statement. I know you agree with that statement. You yeah. have a different way of saying it than I do, though. Um, 
Sure. Yeah. No, you, you have to. If, if anyone who disagreed with that, I, I simply could not have a conversation with them. Not a useful <laughs> one. I mean, that's like trying to talk to a madman. <laughs> madman, yeah. Really? I mean, there's no point reasoning with a guy who's arguing with the tree. True enough, yeah. <laughs> you know? So and, um, that, that's where... So all I urge is the caution that many people who um, uh, say, I, and actually, yeah, they do tend to flock to, say, the Eastern sects and things like that, where they're so much about uh, wide-scale integration, they yeah, they, uh, the they unify yeah. unnecessarily, yeah. Yeah, no, and, you're right. and they, they refuse not, distinctions that are valid. Yeah, well, the problem is, is they think their map is the one and only true map. <laughs> and that's the problem. They just can't get that, yes, everything they're saying is true, and it's just one way of thinking about it. And it's or they're subjectivists, they think every map is valid, and it's well, not I true. Know, and that's equally stupid. Yeah, obviously, there are plenty of maps that are just plain stupid and out of date, or fictional maps. People make maps for, uh, yeah. you know, books, you know, so, fantasies. And, you know. Here, here's the trick, though. We can, we can ask, okay, for any given mission, there's probably... Uh, one or a small number of maps that are the, the most appropriate tool for that. That we know of at the moment. Well, of the, of the maps you've got. You yeah, know, it's the like, maps well, that I'm aware of, these are so, the best ones that I can put together right now. Yeah, so given a mission, you have a standard for what you're trying to do, and you can use that standard to judge the tools. Absolutely, yeah. Rank them. Yeah. Create a new one if the you know, yeah, right. best one isn't that yeah. great. So um, if... And precisely if we that is what my work is about, is cleaning up English so we can make better maps. Oh, that would be nice. Um, that would be more than nice. It'll, it could change the course of history if we could actually grow a couple generations of children who were not subject to the unconscious assumption of their brain-damaged parents. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a, a, a bunch that objectivism might be able to help you add to your list. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, many, so, many. That's why I come to your room because it's real clear that in, you know, that we're real different in some ways, or we have really different ways of talking about our emphasis. But there are so many ways where we are completely in alignment. <laughs> yeah. So some of the fun ones you might look for are a product of bad integrations, either mistaken integrations that are just outright wrong, or. They're okay and all, but they're not for this territory. They're not for this mission. And a lot of the lingo that uh, you, you might uh, – there there are some concepts that are package deals where they mix fundamentally opposite things, say. It's just poor integrations. Like many people – this is not an objectivist – when you say the word sacrifice to them, they, they think of – well, they, they tie it with altruism, but sacrifice for most people – if I want to talk with them, I have to explain to them, no, I make a distinction between uh, giving up a value to lose it and giving up a value to increase it. <laughs> One's called sacrifice and one is called investment. <laughs> Most people, they go, well, if you don't sacrifice, you'll never be able to make it through college and this and that. And it's like, that's not a sacrifice. That's an investment. Absolutely, yeah. Well, they don't have that concept, and that makes it so that they can be, you know, yeah. gold into yeah. being altruists, where it's like, yeah. oh, well, sacrifice is good because sacrifice yeah. is for me to get a college yeah, education to raise See, my kid, yeah. so I should yeah. kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> See, now, I deal with these same issues from a di different way because I approach it from a linguistic point of view. Uh, it, it's like it cuts at 90 degrees. So it cuts, like, through the whole thing, but at, at a single level. 
Um, and, and most of this has to do with the concept of reification, which is what I was talking about before. You've heard, are you familiar with that term? Oh, quite. Okay, yeah. That, that that's that the fundament, and this is just built into English, is that it that distinction that there are nouns that refer to things that you can put in a bucket, and then there are nouns that refer to relationships between things you can put in a bucket. That, that distinction is absolutely invisible mm-hmm. to about ninety nine percent of humans, and that the failure to to make that distinction in our linguistic formulations is one of the, the most fundamental flaws that the human that human beings suffer from is that they're talking about talking about talking about talking about talking and it's not even connected up to <laughs> to the the non-linguistic yeah. world and that you Oops. can't run a planet like that that's you no. know uh yeah there, there are vast conceptual problems uh, mainly because we don't have an education system that trains people's conceptual right. consciousness well, to be have you got a, have you begun direct, i mean have you got a curriculum for kids yes actually really how long does it take how many hours what? Oh, uh, no, it's, it's a method of teaching. Uh, check out um, Van Dam Academy. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Well, I'll send, put it in a text message for me. and I'll, uh, I'm not in a position. I'm laying on my back on the floor staring up at the ceiling, and I don't feel oh. like getting up and typing. That's... <laughs> so if you're in a position to type, I will or, or we'll get to it the next time we talk. Again, it's clear that, that uh, there's a, some overlap in productive this is, I don't know about you, but this has been a very productive conversation for me. Yeah, and actually, I'm sorry, but I need to, uh, need to head out. I actually, okay. we've got, I've, I've gone over my budget. <laughs> um, here, but in, in, pat, in parting, I do have this wonderful parting gift. Um, <laughs> stuff about Van Damme. Yeah. Aaron, do I have you in my, oh, I don't have, well, hold on address. Uh, what's your address? Well, I just sent you a, a, a message in the chat. You should get a pop-up window that says "I." Actually, I meant to say "Hi," but I left off the H. Yeah. Did you get that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you can just put so the ha- text in there. Oh well, here I'll cut paste it then. Let's see. Um. That's right. See, I'm really familiar with with Skypeism. This is like I I forget that people don't use this like I do. <laughs> this is really just my my fundamental hookup. To I'm, the I'm fine with this and messaging it. I yeah. was a uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. See, yeah, the leaks didn't come through. That's no good. That's why I wanted to forward it to you. Well, that's well yeah, that's well. You can just copy. The, I mean, you you got them from a browser. Yeah, I, oh, I just cut, on a Mac, to, right? including yeah. the links. Oh, okay. Well, I, I so, can find it. I can. I mean, from this text, I can find it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and you can always send me the links later if you want to. Uh, you know, and it's not like I don't already have enough to read. <laughs> you know, these not, are pretty short. Just, just what I need: more stuff to read. You know? Oops. I, I'm in the middle of two books right now that are just. I hate it when I I read have to read two books. Well, actually, I've abandoned one of them to finish. One of the other ones, but uh, it's there not often that I read a book that. Oh, good. Okay, I got it. Thank you. Link number one. Link. My my browser's dying on me. Link number two. There were three links on those three bullets. So. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah, because that's part of the, the work I'm doing is looking at developing a curriculum 
to make children fully aware of the five stupidities of English so that those, whenever those occur in their own language machine, that they'll actually hear it and realize that they're full of shit if they're talking like that. You know, if you're going to be crazy, then you ought to at least know it, you know? Fair enough. So <laughs> that's, that's my idea. Here's a science curriculum being developed by someone I really respect from the same tradition. Let's see, Mission. Nope. Products. Oh, geez, my browser's just dying. What do you use in Safari? Yeah, and the problem is I have about a, a hundred tabs open of stuff I'm going to read real soon now. <laughs> any, any day. So all right. it all yeah bogs down. Yeah. So here's inductive science. Yeah. This is, of course, it's a science curriculum. Okay, now you don't send me any more. I mean, four no, I'm done. is enough. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, see, this one uh, is a little, let's see. Yeah, two, two, one's a, a free article, one's a little start of an article, one's a quick interview with a so- style of teaching. And uh, this is the deployment of that style in the particular area of uh, science and math. Uh-huh. So it's a curriculum, K through yeah. 12. Oh, really? I'm thinking that my curriculum shouldn't take... I mean, it should just be. It shouldn't be an actual class. I mean, there may be a couple of lessons, but you know, maybe five lessons that are repeated a couple times each over a two-year period. But a teacher who's aware of these things and calls students on them when uh, yeah, it might when be an aspect of a proper education. Yeah, it's not an actual curriculum in itself. It's just something about language that needs to be addressed basically all the time. You know. It's, uh, it's pretty simple, actually. There's nothing that I'm teaching that any eight-year-old couldn't understand. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, fun discussion, but I, I need to head head off to see my uh, my wife, who's been very patiently waiting for me. <laughs> well, good. Uh, thank you. I've got that MP3, and I am not going to throw it away. Well, maybe I will throw it away. We'll it, see. It's not a good recording. <laughs> yeah, I, so like I may throw it away hits. after all. But I do promise you that I will share it with nobody. Yeah. You can count on that. But just have a have a fun listen. You can tell just... Yeah, uh, I, I got it. I, listen, I understand it's what it is, and I'll, yeah. that's, that's all there is for now. But I, I'm waiting for the real one to show up. <laughs> yeah, this this should be a good recording. Yeah, we'll get it right this that's time. That's going to be fun. Well, listen, all right. uh, yeah, Greg, thank you for uh, responding to my plea. Uh, I would be open to having a discussion with you any time. I mean, actually, to get more focused and to try and find out where our because like I say, I suspect actually we're probably in, in probably an 80% in alignment, but that our language is so different that it looks like we have uh, arguments. But I actually I suspect that we probably are more in agreement than we may think we are, you know? Yeah, fucking past each other a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I don't often find somebody that I think can hold up their end of a, of a rational uh, conversation. So, you know, well, I really it's would. It's always a delight for me, and and actually, most everybody in uh, in that room would probably uh, hold up just about as well. Yeah, I know. That's, I'm really impressed. See, but that's what that sort of disheartened me when I fe- figured out. I mean, how you got those people? You got them because Anne Rand is a known figure, and I'm actually trying to do something new, and uh, nobody knows. No one's heard of anything I'm doing, uh, and and 
I mean, some of the people know some of the sources of my work, but uh, they're old. And, you know, I mean, there's just. Uh, well, right, Art. Start a blog. Jeez. Well, I, uh, well, yeah, I know. That's part of what I'm, I, I'm doing is developing my presence in the Matrix, and that's clearly uh, what needs to happen. You're, you're absolutely right. So, uh, in fact, Ning is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because you've uh, managed to use that technology, and I keep hearing about it, but I'm somewhat technologically challenged. I mean, I'm okay, but, uh, you know. Uh, hmm. No, I, it, it I could use sounds like you're Direction. Well, uh, and yeah. it's not like I'm a raging success yet. I I, I just uh, kicked it off, hoping no, that it would. No, but uh, I mean, to find uh, a half a dozen really good students is quite an achievement, I think. Oh, here I was thinking that was the pitiful version because really? I have 150 who would join if I no, had the no, right they're pitch. They're all full of shit. You wouldn't want them anyway. Ah, huh? well, yeah, could be. The um, no, you've got the ones. You've got the ones that belong there. And then in the future, I suspect there will be more. But right now, uh, the percentage of humans who are actually even the slightest interested in becoming conscious epistemologically is infinitesimally small, less, way less than, like I say, 2%, probably less than 1%. A lot of people talk about it and say, ooh, ah, that's so cool. But when it gets right down to it, they're really not committed to it or interested yeah. in it enough. Yeah, it's working with the the bad education they've been given. And, it's and all the hard. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, and it's important. And see, I don't ha I have a problem with that, actually. I, now I've come to the conclusion that they're really a different species than me, and somebody's got to keep the caterpillar going while the rest of us are, the, in this case, the few of us who are building the butterfly. <laughs> you know? And the rest <laughs> yeah. of the people, their job is to keep the caterpillar going in the meantime. <laughs> And, and God bless them, we need them to do it, because I sure as hell am not interested in the caterpillar anymore. <laughs> you know? So yeah. uh, somebody's got to drive them frozen bees to the market, and it ain't me. So, <laughs> well, anyway, Yeah, there's a division of labor. Well, um, it, it's the way the world is right now is the way the world is right now, and the question is how do we want it to be in the future? And what am I willing to do uh, to help move it in that direction? At least that's the way I see it. Yeah. That's and hooking cool. up with other people who accept responsibility for their epistemology strikes me as fundamental. Um, yeah, it certainly helps. <laughs> and we got to yeah. Yeah, yeah, keep training, keep the right battle, find, find the allies, and keep moving. That's right. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I don't use the word brother lightly, but I, I do sense... Um, that we are in the same game here, uh, although... Yeah, I suspect so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm glad to have made your acquaintance, and I'm uh, yeah, looking likewise. forward to future conversations. Feel free. Uh, I'm on... I'm online most of the time. I'm, my Skype account is on. I mean, I may be asleep, but I still leave <coughs> it on. Uh, ah. You know, so you can always get a message to me uh, in Skype. Don't bother with email. And... Um, and I'd certainly be open. And by the way, I did record this conversation, and I intend to post it if if I have your okay. Uh, oh, geez, it's a, uh, I was a mess, but whatever. <laughs> no, it was a real conversation between two people who were thinking about epistemology. 
And uh, it's important that other people hear this. You never know who could hear it at what time. It may make all the difference in the world for somebody. For sure, they're not going to give a rip about on them on a PS background, but okay. No, that's their problem. I don't worry about that. I just put this stuff out there. <laughs> you know, The rest okay. of it is Bob's job, not me. <laughs> that's funny. Right. Okay. All right, well, all right, I've got to head out. Good. Thanks a lot, man. So, All right, Bye. talk with you later. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.